Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I said, everything gonna be all right. It's all going to be all right. Good day, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio. It's Friday, November 20th, 2015. This is episode 392. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio, Central City, Pennsylvania, the world headquarters, is our engineer, John. You gotta have faith. And joining me from Studio C in McKee's Rocks is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hey, Joe. Hi, John. Hello, everybody. Good day, Cliff. This week, we will be interviewing Kurt Bolden of the Hydro Lab Training and Equipment Rental, and uh, looking forward to a great show on restoration-related issues. We'll bring in the Restoration Industries Global Watchdog for the Roundup. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Particles Plus. Particles Plus engineers and manufacturers feature-rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Learn more at www.particlesplus.com. Count on us. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products services okay last but not least please visit the iaq training institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com let's turn it over to the z-man for today's iaq radio trivia question thanks joe Win a cool prize by out-competing fellow IEQ Radio listeners and being first person to correctly answer the IEQ Radio trivia question each week. Submit your answer is very easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations! To Steve Peams Airways Environmental Services, Red Bank, New Jersey, for the first correct answer to last week's IEQ Radio Trivia Question. The IEQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, November 20th, 2015, has been sponsored by 
Triska, the Restoration and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is trsca.org. Now for this week's IQ Radio trivia question. What is the subject of U.S. patent number 6629333? Kurt Bolden's an entrepreneur, inventor, and trainer. Kurt started Bolden's Cleaning and Restoration in Noblesville, Indiana, from the back of his truck in 1979 and grew his business quickly to a level only rarely reached as an independent operation. To improve the speed and efficiency of water damage restoration work, Kurt invented the Hydro-X and VacPack two extraction tools that have since redefined the industry's approach to water damage restoration work. In 2000, Kirk created the Hydro Lab, a state-of-the-art training and research center, which emphasizes Kurt's philosophy of hands-on training. With over 30 years of hands-on cleaning and restoration experience, Kurt has earned an international respect for his creativity and passion. His rental division is one of the largest suppliers of rental drying equipment in the United States. Kurt's innovation and pioneering spirit was formally recognized when he was named CleanFact's Man of the Year in 2004. It's IQ Radio's great pleasure to welcome Kurt to IQ Radio, and we have some intro music for him. Well, there's a leak in this old building. Yes, there's a leak in this old building. Well, there's a leak in this old building. We're gonna move to a better home. All right. Good day, Kurt. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kurt, Cliff mentioned you started back in 1979 out of the back of your truck. What what caused you to get started in, you know, what, what led you to getting started in the cleaning and restoration industry? Well, I, I dislike the dry cleaning business, which my family's been in for over 80 years, and uh, I was pressing pants, and a salesman came by to sell a portable carpet cleaning machine, and I decided to buy it, and uh, I just started working out of the back of my truck when I was uh, a senior in high school. Hmm. Interesting. Cliff? Thanks, Joe. Um, what made you diversify from cleaning, carpet cleaning, into disaster restoration, Kurt? I went from carpet cleaning to just kind of support going to college, and then when I got out of college, I... Uh, I, I got hired on as a Noblesville fireman. Uh, as a Noblesville full-time fireman, then I realized that we were leaving these people in a mess, uh, and there just wasn't a lot of solutions to the problem. So I just kind of tried to figure out what I could do to help these people get their life back together. You know, be, before you started doing your own training courses, I'm sure you were around, you know, going to industry training courses, and I'm wondering if there were any in particular that had the most profound either positive or negative effect on you and, and your business? All of them were positive. There wasn't very many back then. Cliff Slotnick obviously being one of them. I went to Unsmoke. Uh, you know, Jeff Bishop, Pete Consigli, Joey Pickett, uh, Ford Halter. I went anywhere I could find anything just to learn more about uh, the business because uh, I, I didn't know it at the time. I was just trying to learn. So there, there's many more names, but 
uh, I always enjoyed going to those training classes because I learned something. Kurt, one quick follow-up. You mentioned going to college. What did you go to college for and where? Play football and party. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and, and, you know, I, I worked an awful lot because I, I, I stayed local. I had a, a scholarship and uh, for football, and I stayed local so that I could actually continue with my carpet cleaning business. So I was cleaning carpet at night, did a lot of commercial contracts at the time um, and weekends, and, and basically... Uh, you know, I did not graduate. I, I went three years, and I just decided it was time to go to work, and that's when I got on as a noble fireman. I tried out for it, and then, uh, you know, and then just life changed from there. What school was that? I went to Anderson, Anderson? University. Sound like my yep. son. All right. Cliff? Um, let's talk a little bit about um, the development of um, your equipment, the Extreme Extractor. Uh, how did you kind of come up with the idea, um, you know, because it was really out-of-the-box thinking? I was standing in line because my ex-wife at the time told me that I needed to aerate my yard. Well, my yard was 20 acres. I, I, I know this is going to sound kind of silly. I don't, I don't mow my own grass, and I don't clean my own windows. I, I'd rather work than I would do that. I'd pay people to do it. I was standing in line at the rental, y- rental yard, I'm sorry, <clears throat> and... I just It was a suction screen that goes onto a trash pump, and I looked at it, and I just wondered, what if? If we pulled suction on that, could that be something that would extract water and help me dry faster? And literally, I brought it home that night, um, bought two of them, welded them together. I'm kind of a tinker person. I like to tinker in my garage, um, and I, I welded it up, and uh, let's just say the aerator never made it off the trailer. Um, I worked all weekend, and on Monday I had the first prototype of the Hydrex, which I still currently own, and uh, and I've modified it obviously since then. But it's just the theory of compression and extraction. It came from my grandma. I had no ringer washer, you know, and she wouldn't let me play with it because you know you had to feed the clothes through it and squeeze the water out of them, uh, just because she was always afraid I'd get my fingers in there. But I, I just kind of put those two principles together, and that's where the Hydrex came from. Well, I, I think our our, our, our our youth must have been similar because my parents had one of those ringer ones as well. Unfortunately, I did play around with it. It did get my fingers in there, and that's kind of why I thought I would do something different, I think. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> well, what's the VAC pack? I'm not familiar with that one, Kurt. Well, the VAC pack is basically um, I built some what I call super suckers uh, with some very large diesel engines um, with big blowers. But the problem that I, what I learned, and, and you know, my goal was to suck the concrete out from underneath the carpet, and that's kind of my vision at the time. I spent a substantial amount of money and a bunch of my time engineering it, and then I realized that you can only get 250 CFM through a two-inch hose, and so it failed. Um, that's when I decided to put the vacuum source on top of the Hydrex, uh, which gave it additional weight, and it only had to carry... Um, a, a volume of water one foot. Um, there was an article that I, I wrote for Clean Facts that talks about, you know, in a 25-foot section hose, it can hold 35 pounds of water. That was the inefficiency of a truck mount because those truck mounts are not bad machines. They're designed to move a little bit of water and a lot of air. Uh, they weren't designed for columns of water. So I, I learned from school hard knocks, and then I just I, I made the backpack um, and, and put two... 
125 CFM blowers in it, and it only lifts it about one foot, puts it in the tank, and then we dump it back into their toilet. I, I think the key to this is running at 2 o'clock in the morning, because we were doing about 1,500 water damages a year, so we were running seven days a week, and, and you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning, you can't run a truck mount in a neighborhood, and, and then you're dumping in their yard. Uh, now we extract, we pump it into their toilet, uh, we're using their power, not my fuel, and there's not a lot of wear and tear on my vehicle to get that, that hydrates and backpack to a job. We could put it in a trailer, and it, it just reduced cost. If that, you know, it's just the cost of doing business is what I was looking at. We still use truck mounts for carpet cleaning, but we do not use truck mounts for water extraction. And Kurt, when you, you sold your business and then you got into the, the training end of things, and I'm, I'm wondering, was there... Had you always wanted to be an educator, or was that something that just kind of uh, you morphed into? To be honest, I, I did a uh, symposium for Dries. Um And when I left that symposium, it was about what was called at that time top-down drying. Now it's called in-place drying. They made fun of me, and they, they thought I was a joke. And so that's honestly when Chuck DeWalt, and I, were, he was the only one who held his hand up. Who, who was doing in place or, as we called it, top-down drying? Chuck was the only guy in the room that raised his hand out of hundreds of people in the room. And, and we just tried to figure out why, what don't they understand. So, honestly, I decided to go ahead and build two 800-square-foot houses. And, honestly, it was mainly to train, train the 50 guys that worked for me, uh, and gals, uh, very good girls, too. Um, it was really just to compare one to the other. We put what's called a Dixon, uh, or not Dixon, we had Dixon data records, but we also had a kill patrol. And we pulsed the structure every hour, inside the walls, inside the, on the studs, the, the bottom plate, the, the subfloor underneath the plate, underneath the kitchen cabinets, underneath the bathtub. And really what it was is kind of that, that's what changed everything. It made me better understand vapor pressure. Um, and, you know, it's kind of gone from there. It's you know, still changing, Kurt. You you mentioned the term vapor pressure, and that's always it's a it's a tough concept to get people to you know grasp. How do you explain vapor pressure to people in your class? I actually have built a one cubic foot aquarium. I had it built by a, a local company, um, and it's a one cubic foot. And then we talk about what, and then I put balls in it so they can see that those are the water molecules. Then we talk about if you heat the air by 10 degrees, what happens? If you heat it by 20 degrees, here's what happens. You're expanding the air. Um, it's very hard to, to get people to understand. That, that is the hardest thing to try to get them to understand without a doubt. But the fact is, I, I, you know, I've got a class here now that they get it. I mean, they, they saw it happen. You know, we flooded the house. Uh, and then they reduced the vapor pressure, reduced the grains, increased the temperature, which we all know that, you know, we, we, an RIA member can say 104 degrees. Um, these guys might have done something a little different than that, but the fact of the matter is it's expanding the air and exhausting it. And, and these guys literally saw the house dry within 48 hours. And we're talking kitchen cabinets. I got carpet and pad with glue-down carpet under it, hardwood floors, and it's all dry. It's it's vapor pressure. It's but you got to combine not just grains. Uh, you know you got to combine the temperature um, with your low humidity. Let's call it. 
and and find that balance. And you've got to find it fast. We can't wait 24, 48 hours uh, in order for that to occur. Cliff? Well, well, let's go back to the dry symposium for a couple of minutes. Um, did you know Chuck when he raised his hand? Oh, yeah. No, Chuck and I had, had worked on, when he got busy, he would call me. Um, I'd go down and help him down to Tennessee. If I got busy, he'd come up here. I mean, it was just, we were kind of the two only guys that understood how to dry carpet pad contents and structure in place. I mean, it, it it was hard for me to believe when I went to the symposium how much guff I got from everybody. They 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 literally guys. I still remember the facts coming in from from Finland. A guy was just he just ripped me, and it's like you know I, I, all I know is I can. But now I have the data to prove it, so I don't have as much of an argument anymore. Uh, willing to share that data. Um, because uh, Rachel Adams, she actually did the first flood, the seventh flood, and the 21st flood. And we're talking Petri dishes inside the wall, air samplers, uh, Anderson air samplers. And we, we put portals in the wall so she could reach inside and actually take samples. And, um, you know, we, we, we've never had a problem. I, we flooded that, that structure, both of those structures, over 96 times. Same carpet, same pad, same drywall, same subfloor. And they're they're... We've just not had a problem. It's a matter of, it's kind of like your clothes dryer. The faster you can dry it, I mean, it's always fascinated me. And I, I used a Dixon Dad recorder, and I put it in one of my socks, and I threw it in the dryer and with my blue jeans just to see what it did. You know, how do our clothes come out in an hour? How is it that our industry can't dry a house in an hour? You know, my goal, you know, before I pass, <laughs> is... And I've played with microwave, and I've played with nuclear. I've played with all kinds of stuff. I want to dry. I want to back up to the house, and it just goes zap, and and get it dry faster, or a commercial building, whatever it might be. And and I know that's a crazy goal, but that's just what I I like, if, if that makes sense. You know, it's a it's a great goal, and and I'm wondering what, as someone that teaches these these courses and, and tinkers and experiments and does research, what's the biggest um, obstacle in your way when you're trying to reach that goal? Well, it, it, you know, uh, the the biggest problem is, of course, you, you know, I've sat on the IICRC committees to, to write ASD. It's 12 years behind and it's kind of sad because I have these students that I'm teaching currently that I have to say, for the test, you need to know this. But in the real world, you know, you need to know this. And it's it's not a bad thing. It's just it's unfortunate. I'd like to see the standards kind of move faster, if that makes sense. Um, so we can, you know, back in the day, we didn't even have high-temp dehumidifiers, um, high-temp LGRs. Um, when we wrote the exam. Now we've got high temp, but it's not included in the actual standard, uh, which I'm very happy to hear from the instructor symposium I was at a few weeks ago. It's supposed to be out here any day. The problem is that was three years ago when we sat down and revised it, and it's still kind of going to be obsolete. Hey, Kurt, I've got a a text question. Yeah, Yeah, we have a text question. And I'm not sure whether or not you misspoke or you intentionally used the word nuclear. And uh, actually, one of the guests picked up on that um, in terms of you know, some of the things that you've tried. What did you mean by that? 
there was a gentleman that contacted me that had a radioactive something or other. I can't even recall. Now, we're talking 15, 20 years ago. Okay. He brought it in, and once I read the directions that it could create testicular cancer, okay, gotcha. I didn't even let him turn it on. I, gotcha. I didn't want to see it. So <laughs> it, was, it was one of those things. I don't know where it came from. don't recall who the guy was. Okay. But a lot of people contact me on a weekly, monthly basis that want, want me to see something, if that makes sense. No different sure. than you know, Charles Cressy from the Water Out Trailer. And I remember him to, you know, to this day uh, telling me that he had the fastest drying trailer, and, and I didn't believe him, and he came and proved me wrong. And that's right. kind of what I do with anybody that's got a new product. I don't care what it is. Bring it. Let me try it. And if I like it, I'll buy it. You know, you know Kurt, you, you include a lot of research within your your classes and your, your training center there. And I'm wondering, over the years, as you've incorporated that research component, what, what have you learned that you can share with our listeners, the most important, you know, key things you've learned? And also... Were any of those findings surprising to you? Oh yeah, I've had, I, I've had a lot of theories that I thought something and that were proven wrong. I, ju- I just mentioned water out. I, I, I never in a million years because the grains in, in the structure when he was using his trailer were only in the seventies, and I thought this guy's going to fail miserably. But what I what I learned is that he was creating evaporation by using the energy. And so the grains were higher, but he was creating vapor pressure diffusion. It was moving. So the grains didn't drop, but the fact is the grains, the structure did dry the fastest it's ever dried uh, back in the day. Um, Other things I've learned, you know, simple things such as sewage. I know we're all going to get there in this industry eventually, uh, but I used to have a honey dipper truck back up to to the structure and literally dump sewage, raw sewage. And, you know, we sued up. We made sure everybody had their shots and they all had their respirators and everything. But, uh, I mean, I learned that there is a way to to actually clean that up properly, uh, but you're going to need an industrial, you know, hygienist. Somebody needs to do the testing. But I've learned that, you know, just hot water and good old soap sometimes is, is it, it works. Sometimes you need other products. Um, and I, as we all know, there's there's natural products out there. We know there's other products that, you know, they, they all were effective. Rachel also has that data um, because she did the testing for us. And, you know, besides that, I mean, I just, I'm excited. The industry's changing. We're getting some very good equipment out there. And sometimes it's, it's just blows me away on some of these, I'll, I'll call them energy units, the way that they're drying our structures now. I mean, uh, maybe not so much dehumidification or air movement, but using energy and then exhausting it out just like a clothes dryer. You know, Kurt, you mentioned, um, it, you know, good old soap and water, and, and I know my co-host here has a, a saying he'll use. He says it's, sometimes it's got to get wetter to get better. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm a firm believer that, you know, water is the most universal cleaning agent in the world now can you couple it with something else to make it better of course you can but the fact is most people are afraid of and i'm going to say hot water we're we're using not a truck mount and not a pressure washer we're using hot seas you know so we can get some serious temperature so you almost have a steam 
uh, I, I kind of said it earlier, it, it, I've been in the dry cleaning business, my whole family has for over 80 years. I know what steam can do. Steam can 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 take care of some of the bacteria issues. It could take care of some of the microbial issues. It, you know, so um, it, I th- I think it always has to be coupled with another what I'm going to call a finishing product, if that makes sense. Uh, because with bacteria, it concerns me. But I let the professionals tell me the protocol. Uh, they do the testing and they tell me what the protocol is. All I do is follow the protocol because I'm not a sewage specialist. I, I'm more of a mitigator. I just dry things. Kurt, you mentioned, I think, was it hot seas? Is that the term you used? Oh, well, that's yeah, the that's brand, brand that I ran. I got it. Yeah, okay. that's just a, it's just a pressure washer okay. that, that has a boiler. Got a high-temperature pressure washer. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Cliff? Okay. Um... How do you feel about competitors emulating your ideas and your training facility and uh, not getting it right? Well, you know, the old saying is you can't fix stupid. You know, when I first made my Hydrexes, to give you an example, the first person I went to was my biggest competitor. And I went to him because I didn't want to beat to my own drum. I needed to make sure we had a couple guys saying that we can use this machine to do this. And long story short, I, you know, I have a, I train all my competitors. I have no problem with them coming in here. Um, you know, will they go back and do it correctly? I don't know, but that's not my responsibility. I know as a business owner, when I had the restoration company, I just knew that my guys knew how to do it exactly right, and we're gonna it, it, we make what we call the Big Mac. It's, you know, two all-beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickle, onion on a sesame seed bun, and we do it that way every single time. If the other guys don't do that, they, they may have a, a, an issue, and they may fail. And when they fail, I only need them to fail one time because then I'm going to pick up that insurance company, hmm. and they'll use us. And that's exactly how I built the business, to be honest. And are you still using the top-down drying? Are you still a big advocate for that? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I dry... Everything from from houses to I'm not going to name names. It's skyscrapers, you <laughs> big buildings, uh, tanks, airplanes, automobiles, yachts. I'm just a mitigator. I, I don't tear down drywall because it's wet. I dry it. Now, does it need to be replaced? Maybe. And if it does, that's not my responsibility. I dried it. You know, it, it, it's back to the concept of. Uh, what I teach in this class uh, every week that I teach it is, you know, you're drying carpet and pad and drywall that's wet, let's call it eight inches high, which is a common loss. If I tear the carpet and pad out, I'm not going to size any differently. You've got so many cubic feet of air, and I'm going to put a fan every 10 to 16 linear feet. So I basically dry carpet and pad for free. I dry the contents for free. I document that the contents are wet. But I, it's just included in the bill. So that makes sense. Uh, it's not a line item. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, it's just, I'm just wondering what have you made? I mean, along the way, have you made modifications? What have you found that helps make that process work better? Well, and I, this is where we have to kind of be careful, of course, because I am a RAA member. It's called energy. Okay. We won't call it the other word, but we're using <laughs> energy. Okay. And, um, go ahead. 
No, I, I appreciate that. That was, and that would be the big. Apparently, uh, from what I'm gathering here, that's the big, you know, uh, aha moment. You went, you know what? We've we've got to control the energy a little better and and use it a little more to our advantage. Is that accurate? And that is accurate. And and you also have to have the right dehumidification. You know, you you can't use uh, anything except a high temp dehumidifier because they will process air up to 120 degrees. Um, not that we use that number because 104 is what we use, if you know what I mean. And, mm-hmm. and bottom line is, you know, we're using energy. These guys actually have it set up, and, and they've dried the structure. They did a great job. Um, but they've also got fans suspended from the ceiling with duct work that's blowing out the windows uh, and creating the energy they need and, and creating a clothes dryer effect. And what are you working on any research currently that you'd you'd like to talk about? You know, I, I really don't have you know I can't talk much about it. I got another patent. I've had seven and and, and this might be another one. I haven't decided what I'm gonna do. I wanna be able, let's just say, pressurize walls, create a positive pressure and then a negative pressure, and be able to dry without ever having to take off the trim or take out the cabinets. I'm going to use the holes in the wall where the wires are drilled to create my negative vapor pressure and, and energy that I need inside that wall. And uh, we've been working on that for quite some time. I get called in on a lot of uh, what's called specialty drying jobs. And, uh, and this is where I, I basically I built this <laughs> these two units in my hotel room. Um, uh, and they basically have bamboo floor, three-quarter inch plywood, six-inch concrete, three-quarter inch plywood, two-inch two sleepers with fiberglass insulation underneath it in a sound studio. And I couldn't, it wasn't drying with the, the commercially available for us fans uh, that are around about three, four inches of static pressure. I ended up um, finding some from California that were 12 and a half inches of static. And so I... I gutted a couple of my dehumidifiers, and I just basically bought some duck-built pliers, and, and I made manifolds and using a, a nine-port uh, injector-dry unit and made, our, made everything, basically, and, and we ended up getting it dry. I mean, to me, that's what's fun. I mean, I was up there for almost two weeks trying to get it dry, but it was a multimillion-dollar issue if they couldn't get that insulation dry, if hmm. that makes sense. Sure does. Hey, well, Kurt, we've got to stop and, and thank our uh, our sponsors, and we've got a text coming in. We'll definitely get to that as soon as we take this short break. We'll be back in about 90 seconds with our guest, Kurt Bolton from the Hydro Lab. Great interview so far. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Particles Plus. Particles Plus engineers and manufacturers feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Learn more at www.particlesplus.com. Count on us. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. We use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. 
Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractor shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products services okay this is radio joe hughes we're back for the second half of our interview with kurt bolton we're going to uh, ask a few more questions and then go to the roundup and bring in pete consigli um kurt the first question i have with with respect to the industry i guess um in regards to the innovation and, and you know you're an innovator you think outside of the box uh, a lot like the z-man here um, innovation in the water damage restoration. Do you feel like the industry is advancing? Um, and if not, why or well, why, why not? I believe that it is. Um, and what's unfortunate, it's the little guys that are advancing. Um, the larger manufacturers are, I think, what I'm going to call content uh, with what they're doing. It's It's just... And I don't want to get into a bunch of names, but they're, they're, they're the little guys, the splitter boxes to fans, to dehumidifiers, to heat t- units. The, it's it's moving, it's, and it's moving at a decent rate. I, I would like to see it faster, but you know, I'm, I'm I'm a little overzealous sometimes. But no, I I think it's it is moving forward. I think our standard needs to catch up with it, um, which which kind of holds people back because they're not sure how to bill for it. That's the bottom line. They're buying this better equipment, but it's not in the uh, uh, insurance programs, let's say. And so they're having a hard time figuring out how to justify it. But for the most part, I, I've, I've been pretty happy with, with movement. Is there? And I know a lot of people that are making things right now, and it's usually the guys that are making it in their garage. Does that make sense? Sure. They're, they're, they're passionate and there, there's some really cool stuff out there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think it's moving. It's just, you know, it's not going to be at lightning speed, but but it's moving. Well, you've, you've mentioned the, the standard a few times, and the S500 is the water damage standard from the IICRC. It's pretty much industry-wide. You know, there's not too much competition for it. It's a, it's a pretty uh, lengthy and somewhat, prescriptive document um some would argue with me on that but i think it's it's fairly prescriptive uh, do you think that's been beneficial or or detrimental with respect to how the industry has advanced i think it's it's been both it's been beneficial for those that do want to do uh, let's call it insurance work i think it's detrimental because it's it's very slow it's it, they're not they're not keeping up with the uh, new information, the new products, the new uh, equipment that's in our industry, and, and that's the only thing that, that brings it, you know, makes it detrimental. Were, were you were you one of the commenters on the current version that's coming out? Are you you pretty happy with the new version? Well, 
I'm only one man. You know, I I only have one boat. Is there things I don't like? Yes, there is things I don't like. There is there some good changes, and, and yes, there very much is. There's three key points that that I feel is going to help the industry, um, and and then you know, but it's time to sit down and do it again. I mean, but I I don't know when that's going to happen. Well, it should be under continuous maintenance. It's an ANSI standard. Now, what are those three things that you were happy with that uh, should help the industry? Well, and this is I learned from uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Berry. We, we did some things, and, and we, in terms of aerosolization, in terms of you know t- turning fans on in somebody's house, you turn on 20 fans. You know what happens to the air, and, and so air scrubbers are are going to be uh, pretty much mandated on every water loss, a Cat One through Cat Three. Um, Temperature is an issue which we we know it's kind of sensitive right now. Um, I, I, I think that needs to be included, and it was talked about, but I don't think it's going to be added to the standard. Um, the other two, I don't really want to talk about <laughs> until I see the new standard. I, I've been told what's going to come out, but I haven't seen it yet. Well, let's so, get you back then. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Well, and you say you're only one man, Kurt, but, you know, you've got a following out there, and people listen to what you say, and they respect your opinion, and they they go to your hydro lab there, and um, I've heard great comments from people I work with. They they appreciate what you do. They appreciate the fact that you compare things, that you measure things, more importantly, I guess, you know, and uh, so I, I think you're going to have and have had and will continue to have a positive influence on, on the industry. Cliff? Yeah, I share your frustration with IICRC training courses, and it was based upon my frustration with having to teach twice teach the right thing to do out in the field and then teach the right thing to do on the test, which caused me to stop training. I just got too frustrated with it. Um, Are the current IICRC water damage courses, WRT, ASD, and commercial, um, I mean, do you think they're really beneficial to the industry, the way it's being done? I think the hands-on training is the key, in my opinion. I mean, yes, the, the standard, if you want to do insurance work or property management work, they're typically be asking for that certification. Um, does it have a lot of power? You know, I don't know. But if you don't have it, you're not going to get that work. The only time I've ever been asked, and I'm certified in everything in the IICRC, and the, uh, I've never been asked for that certificate unless I'm going to court or having to deal with, uh, you know, any kind of legal issues, let's just call it. And it does help. Um, It does definitely help. I guess as a follow-up question, what about learning water damage restoration online? You know, I would have to say only because of what I feel, and and I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I, I think the online thing, there's too many guys that can pay a secretary to take that test. And if you don't touch it, if you it, these guys touched it, they smelt it, they they saw what it was doing, they made modifications. And if you don't if you don't know how to do that, I, I just don't know how you could do it online. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I mean, 
I bought a quarter million dollars worth of video equipment to video every class, and then we had our own servers that would we had dubbing stations. We'd dub them all down, and we'd serve them up live. Um, I, I don't know what people benefited from it because not very many people used it. Unfortunately, I think the technology's changed a lot from then. Now we're talking ten years ago. Um, and I still have all those videos. It's kind of crazy, but nobody ever used them, and I don't know why. I always wanted them to watch the video before they ever came to my class. You know, let them sit down, and then we dug down a three-day class into less than six hours. But uh, it just didn't. It, it just didn't get used a lot. Now today, again, the younger generation, it might be more successful. I don't know. You know, Kurt, before we go to the roundup, I want to try and get two more quick questions in here. And um, one of them would be, you, know, you deal with restoration contractors on a regular basis. How do they make heads or tails out of what equipment to buy and how much equipment to buy? Do you have any tips for them on that? Yeah, I mean, and, and this has been discussed in every class I have uh, discussed it with the students I have now. You know, you, you need to, first of all, I've got every brand of equipment, every style, whatever, and I want them to dry the house with it. So they're putting the hose in the jug so they can compare the performance of the, the different ones. I don't sell any of them, so whatever they buy is completely up there, whether it's fans, dehumidifiers, or heaters. Um, I, 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 I find it fascinating that most training centers don't have that. They just have their brand which is usually sponsored by a manufacturer. That frustrates me because I know when I was in the first meetings, they were supposed to show all, whether it's extractors, meters, air movers, dehumidifiers, heaters. I, I just, you know, I think that, the, the, that there needs to be a change there that they have to have other tools available for these guys to touch. Online, I don't know how you're going to touch them. Just my opinion. And I guess, like I said, before we go to the, the roundup, um, Cliff, do you want to do the lightning round real quick? Well, I, I want to ask him one question before the lightning round. Go ahead. Uh, Kurt, um, do you have any comment on the role of third-party administrators uh, on water damage restoration claims? When you say administrators, we won't name names. Uh, I have trouble with some of them. Some of them I think are very good. Some of them I don't think are very good because all they're trying to do is carve a bill down, and they're they're using, uh, I'm going to call the uneducated um, restoration contractor, and then they just beat them up. And they don't know how to respond because they don't have proper training in order to respond to... So what they're what they're basically doing, I, I deal with this every week. Guys call me and you know they're beating them down, they're beating them down, but they just don't know how to respond. That's the one thing I will have to say that's nice about the standard. At least it gives us a guideline because it's it's not a standard as as you guys both know. It's just a guideline. And and so third party, I've done a lot of third party work, but it's usually because they're people that I know. Um, and they respect what I do. They know I'm not going to rip them off. I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to charge fair price. And then they, they, they just—it's it, back to the seamless file. They just want a seamless file. Let's shoot that thing upstairs, and let's get a check cut and get it off my desk. And, and that's kind of the way I feel about most of those guys. All right, Cliff, you want to shoot to the roundup? 
Or do you want to do, uh, the, do the lightning let's round do first? The, let's do the lightning round, and then let's... Uh, I just want to ask you the first thing that comes into your mind when I mention a name. Uh, Lloyd Weaver. Uh, totally respected. Totally. He, he was one of my mentors. Okay, what about Claude Blackburn? Uh, definitely a, a mentor. Now, have I had problems <laughs> with drive? Of course. It, it was just a fight, if you know what I mean. It, it was a, a discussion. Have utmost respect for him. Uh, Chuck DeWalt. Absolutely respect him. We've been friends for many years, and we've worked together, and I've been to his training center at least 20 times. He's been to mine 20 times, and we just learn off each other. Good. Okay, wrap it up. All right, let's, let's go to the roundup, John. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw. Pull it to dogs out. All right, Pete, we've got the Restoration Industries Global Watchdog. Pete, I, I could just feel you chomping at the bit you, you know so i wanted to make sure we stopped with a yeah, good every, bit of time every left time i hear that that the the, the the roundup music it gets me all pumped up and then you go and who let the dogs out and it's kind of like you know am i supposed to be foaming at the mountain just scratching at the door <laughs> so i was not peeing on the carpet yeah, yeah. although that well, good, listen, that's I, good business i really enjoyed the interview today and i always uh enjoy listening to Kurt and spending time with him when I get a chance to visit with him, you know, over the years. I think, uh, you know, it's funny, a couple of notes that I made, and I have a couple of questions maybe Kurt may want to address during the roundup, but, you know, it's interesting that most of the guys who are, you know, really uh, successful in the industry, admired in the industry, you know, have a following like, like Joe referred to and stuff like that, are guys that um, have collaborated with their quote-unquote competitors you know, whether they're local competitors or whether they're, you know, they're guys who uh, may be in other parts of the country, wherever they compete. And I, I think, you know, that's the power of uh, the, the associations and, you know, working together as a group, whether it's in standard certification or whatever, and realize that, you know, there's, there's competition and then there's competition. And, and the real competition isn't always the, the honorable friends and associates that, you know, are trying to do some of the same stuff that you are. It's, it's the uneducated it's uh, government regulations, uh, you know, issues with the insurance companies, TPAs, all that kind of stuff that you guys were just discussing most recently. You know, when uh, when Kurt uh, uh, said, when he asked him that question early on about, you know, one of the first things I did was go to my, my closest competitor and talk with him. He didn't mention the name, but I think he was referring to Dan Posky. Was that right? Um, was that Dan Posky? Yeah. yeah. And Dan, you know, uh, he's, I think, kind of retired now. But he was a real pioneer and innovator back in the day, and him and Kurt were the two main guys in the Indianapolis area. And um, and uh, you know Dan was the, was the founder of IMAC, you know, which was very innovative, you know, in the advent of the of the day with a lot of the stuff with the TPAs today. Um, so uh, the other thing too, you know, that Kurt talked about, and I I think this is, I don't want to say it's a flaw in in the ASD buildings but a lot of the people who build the asd buildings either they're supplier based or they're a lot of the franchises may have a particular you know deal or affiliation with a particular uh, company or equipment manufacturer so therefore i agree with kurt that the people that come to those courses get to see what it is that and they most of the time they probably know it uh, whatever 
that whatever that, that particular house or sponsor is, is doing. But when you look at Kurt's course in the Hydro Lab, when you look at what the DeWaltz did and Jerry Blaylock after him, and uh, and then there's even there are those out there who um, who they have all the equipment there, and um, they don't have a vested interest in the equipment. And I think that differentiates the training um, from just ones that are there to you know to pass an exam and those that really want to learn but also want to pass the exam. And there is a difference, and I, I'd like to see more people that really kind of go to the training not just because they want to pass an exam and get a certificate, but because they want to use that information to do a better job and uh, be more profitable, you know, and, uh, you know, grow their business. Um, Kurt, I, I got a couple things I, if you want to address. And um, one of them is you've been talking about that you're going to push things to the next level. When we visited um, and you're talking, you know, with, industry colleagues and, and over the last month or two, you're going to push things to the next level and you're talking about actually flooding your own residence. I think that's pretty interesting. You, you want to talk a little bit about that and tell tell it, the listeners, give them a little insight. What, what do you got prepared for 2016? <laughs> what do we need to brace ourselves for? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to buy a boat, I'm going to buy a car, and I'm going to flood both of them. Um, because all those things do need to be dried. I, I mean, I've, I've done it all my life, so I feel very comfortable with it. Uh, and, I, and I've been challenged to flood my own house. I, and I don't have a problem with flooding my own house. I've done it before, um, and we'll dry it. I mean, if you, you don't feel confident enough to dry your own stuff, how can you dry for a customer? Is the bottom line. And, and when I say I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the class flood it, they're they're gonna flood my sofas. They're going to flood my chairs. They're going to flood everything but my kids' pictures and artwork that I have. That, but they can flood everything. And, 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 Pete, you've seen my house. I mean, the floors in there are naked, 1880s floors. Yeah. Well, I know. And, yeah, and the last time I was there, we even opened up and took a look at your crawl space there. And you, and you, you want to go ahead and flood that and, and suck that out. So I'm hoping that when that happens that uh, that I'd be able to come out there and uh, and I think the Z man would love to come out and take a look at that too and I think I think that really is pushing it because that that's kind of walking the talk man uh, to do something like that. I don't know of anyone that's even considered doing that. Um now the other thing that we talked about too is is the movement of the industry now to to go more mobile and and to actually bring this level of training, you know, out to the people in the field versus, you know, them having to come into the houses. What, what do you got in store? What are you thinking in that regard, and where do you think the industry is moving in that direction? Well, and this is, this is from my past uh, customers, let's call them clients, of the past 15, 20 years. They've all had ASD, WRT-ASD, but what they're looking for is how do you drop the top? How do you make a vein drying system? How do you create the energy you need to change conditions from point A to point B in 15 minutes. And so what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go more mobile. And I've been doing it. Uh, they can check my website. You're, you're going to see I'm going to be in different cities. Um, and basically we're going to learn how to dry things that most people would throw away, uh, which is ridiculous to me. But the fact is it's just it's mobile training, and it's called high-tech. I'm going, to, I'm going to help you understand how this equipment works better and what you can do with it, and uh, it's been very successful so far. I've been only doing private classes, but I'm going to actually start doing it at hotels also while I'm in a, a particular area. 
so other people that have already been certified can come and get their CECs, it's CEC approved from NIICRC, and learn what the next level of drying really means. Well, that sounds good, and Chris, uh, I look forward to, to stopping in one of those, uh, you know, anytime I'm going to be around in the area. And besides IICRC, make sure you get that approved for CC with RAA and ACAC and all the other designations out there, because I think there's a, there's a wide group of people that would like that. I, um, you know, the, it's interesting that, that you talk about drying boats and drying cars and everything. You know, recently, just this, these floods that uh, hit the Carolinas not too long ago, and, you know, we always see these cars that are buried in water and things of that nature. And I'm not, I don't know of anyone, to be quite honest with you, in the industry that's talked about doing that from a salvage factor and, um, and getting involved in that. So that, in many ways, that may be a kind of a new income opportunity for some of the guys from restoration doing that so I think I think it'll be interesting. The best word that you used is it's strictly for salvage. You know, right. if you can dry them that you can't guarantee they're going to run. You can't guarantee anything. You can have the engines drained and have the transmissions drained and fog the motors and I've done it with the ops. I've done it with a lot of different things. All I can do is dry it so that the insurance company has a better salvage value if the vehicles whatever it might be is is salvageable uh to to sell at auction. I I, I can't guarantee you Anything except that it's dry. That's it. Yeah. Well, I think you know that's that's some out of the box thinking. So be be interesting to see how that's received and and uh, where that that may go. Well, look, the one thing I like like to wrap up with, you know, we started touching and talking a little bit about some of the some of the stuff with the IACRC, and I, I guess the thing that um, you know really uh, is um, uh, it bothers me personally, and I'm not the only one, and others is is. All the politics that's going that's been going on lately, and a lot of the drama that took place in Las Vegas and these October meetings, and you know maybe the the general public, meaning the the general industry, you know the people, maybe listeners to this show and others are not aware, and it you know outside of the instructors and board members and the committee members and things like that, but it just seems to me that the politics and the infighting in the industry has gotten to a level that um, is just uh, I've never seen anything like it before, and. Um, uh, I think that you know a lot of these, a lot of the people that are serving on the boards and the committees. I, I think they they lose sight of why they're there in the first place and who they're supposed to be representing. And these are the guys who come to the courses, who pay their thirty dollars for their certifications, and and their interests are supposed to be represented. And I I I don't think that that's happening. And um, I'm not sure what the motivation is of some of the people you know outside of politics. And there's usually money involved in some way. But Kurt, I. I don't know whether you got any comments or thought you'd want to share. You know, you've never been bashful in the past, but um, a lot of these guys who are affected are the kind of guys you've been talking about on the show that come to your classes and, and that, that wear, you know, wear those patches and, you know, I think want to wear them proudly. And um, and then, you know, their organization is supposed to be representing them. Uh, you know, well, I don't think they're doing as good, that good of a job. It's kind of almost like, like Congress, it seems that they don't represent the people that they're supposed to be, and, uh, and maybe maybe the industry's a reflection of that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I was in that October meeting, and all I heard was the problems. As an instructor, I already know what the problems are. I was looking for solutions. I didn't hear any. So they know what their problems are, but I, I, I don't know what they're going to do about the solutions. I'm, I'm assuming that was a gathering of information from us instructors at the symposium, I don't really know. I, I was just kind of dumbfounded. You know, it costs us all a lot of money to fly out and stay in the room and pay your per diems and 
whatever. And I just, I was really disappointed. I thought I would have more solutions to the problem um, without getting a lot of boring detail. But uh, as an instructor, we've, we've had a hell of a lot of problems. <laughs> I mean, and there's no solution to the problem. And hopefully they'll get that fixed. I, I really do hope they do. Um, I just don't know. Yeah, well, I hope they do too, Kurt. Hey, listen, but um, it's a great show, and uh, keep up the good work, man. Hey, I'm going back to class. These guys are all, I think, listening. I don't know. They're probably ready to take their second test now. Well, <laughs> Pete, before we let uh, Kurt go, any final, I'm sorry, Cliff, any final questions for Kurt? I don't. Um, perhaps um, you know, maybe his students have a question or something like that or a comment that they'd like to make. Hey, you know, hey, Joe, this is this is an IAQA radio first, man. We actually have a live audience. I don't think we've ever interviewed a guest with a live audience before. Well, we had to have them finish the show out with some kind of an attaboy or something, man. Give Kurt a big round of applause if nothing else. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're I, on. I told them how to do it as best to my best ability. I, I so they all they all they're all in there listening right now. It's on our. <laughs> It's on our speaker system in there, so oh, you got if it on they the do, they do. If they don't, we'll we'll get back to the test. You know how they get sometimes. They oh, want to yeah. go home. They're focused. Hey, before you oh, go, please. Kurt, I've got one final question for you. What, um, huh? you know, is there anything that you'd like to add that we missed? Is is there anything that you'd like to make sure? You know, you you got a shot. Give the listeners your uh, your final comment, if you would. Well, I, I think the the main thing is. We as an industry, we all need to work together. We need to get some things ironed out, which it will change. But but I want to encourage the small guys. You know, they have great ideas. I hear them when they come here. Go make it and then sell it. Sell the patent. Sell it to somebody. There's just so many neat things that are being developed right now, such as remote monitoring that is, uh, has advanced immensely. And just... There's some smart kids out there that uh, they they could do what I can't do. Um, I don't do computer, I don't do internet, and I don't you know that's just not me. So uh, just keep up the good work, work hard, and, and make something and become a millionaire. You know. There you go. <laughs> good words of wisdom from Kurt Bolden. Well, Kurt, I just want to thank you for joining us. It's been great to uh, have you on the show, and now we've got another one of the restoration industry's uh, finest archived on the iaq radio website uh, show number 392 so thanks again for joining us i look forward to seeing you again in the near future very good joe thanks cliff pete you guys have a good one it was All our right. pleasure have a good weekend kirk hey, this Take is care, uh, radio joe hughes saying thanks to this week's guest kirk bolden to my co-host the z-man cliff zlotnick uh, to the Restoration Industries Global Watchdog, Pete Consigli. John, you got to have faith at the controls. Most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back and join us in two weeks for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.